Essential NLP. Practical skills for a great life. Hi, and a very warm welcome from me, your host, Phil Parker, to this podcast on the essential skills of NLP. This is a series of 10 free podcasts introducing the fascinating field of NLP, that's Neuro Linguistic Programming. If you've enjoyed these podcasts, you can get the rest of the entire series directly from the iTunes store. Simply search for me, Phil Parker, or Essential NLP to find it. Essential Skills of NLP, podcast number 10. I'm Phil Parker, your host. And thanks so much for joining me. It's been phenomenal the response to these NLP podcasts. They continually seem to be in the top one, two, and three of iTunes. And uh, we're getting downloads from tens of thousands of people from around the world. So thanks for tuning in. So today we're going to continue our exploration of NLP presuppositions. You remember we had a break last time when we quickly dipped into submodalities, which are going to be coming again in just a few podcasts' time. But we're coming back to presuppositions, which are the kind of foundations of NLP. They're where NLP begins. Remember what we said before. They're how NLP chooses to see the world. It's not how the world actually is. It's a good approximation. And it allows us to have a different perspective on what's possible. So next NLP presupposition is one... It's quite simple. Every behavior is useful in some context. What if we began with the idea that everything we did had some useful purpose? If only we'd applied it appropriately in the right context. So have a quick look at some of these things. So let's imagine somebody says, oh, I just forget things all the time. I can never remember somebody's name. That's really annoying. We could look at it and go, well, where would it be useful to forget things? Now, your initial thought may be, well, never but actually, how many people are troubled with thoughts from the past that would be really useful to forget those thoughts, those negative thoughts, negative memories, in the same way as they managed to brilliantly forget people's names? And this brings us again into this idea of genius, that we need to see behaviours in a new light. The lightning process, which some of you know about, my, my, one of my major works, fundamentally looks at the idea of genius, how people are really, really good at things. But they just don't recognize that some of these things are skills. So, for instance, if you have a problem, consistent problem that you're constantly overeating, you could say, well, when you look at it, that is a brilliant example of how consistent and motivated you could be. It just so happens you happen to be consistently motivated towards overeating. But we're saying you still have that skill set, that ability to do amazing things consistently. Is there a way to funnel that? brilliant competence into something more life enhancing for you a lot of nlp in particular the lightning process is really intrigued by finding ways to reroute those incredibly amazing behaviors for you and then what we're saying is you have these behaviors what we need to do is exercise more choice as to where we use them because choice is an amazing thing what we're looking at in nlp is not removing options we're encouraging options, encouraging a range of behaviours that you can select. Right, when would I like to use this behaviour? When would I not like to use this one? So you can start to become focused at putting into action the very behaviours that will allow you to forward your purpose, your mission, your goals. Coming back to all the things we said in the very first podcast when we talked about states. What state are you in? And if you're in a state, is it the best state? If it's not the best state, change it. And there's a lot of tools we've already covered and will be covering to change your state. 
And if it is a behavior that might be valuable in some other context, remember you have that behavior and utilize it in that other context. One of the first clients I ever saw was somebody who was absolutely scared of spiders. So if, if you don't like those creatures, just uh, ignore this section of the podcast and, and smooth smoothly move on to the next bit. But that was her problem. And what was fascinating about her was when I asked her, well, are you okay with the other animals? She went, yeah, I was fine. You know, I went to India and uh, I was in a bed and in the morning I'm something wriggling underneath the duvet and I pulled the duvet off and it was a cobra. So I kicked the cobra off the bed because obviously I didn't want to have a cobra in my bed. So there's a woman who's completely able to be competent around animals, particularly scary, dangerous animals, in one particular context. But somehow she's not able to get access to utilize the neurology of confidence and bravery and courage and resilience when she's around these other animals, spiders. And actually all we needed to do was kind of reconnect up that quality, that ability to be powerful around other other animals and put it into the context of spiders and then she was fixed. So remember, every behavior you have would be useful in some context. The next presupposition we're going to cover in this podcast is a very simple but very powerful one. And it is the meaning of the communication that you've just delivered is the response that you get. And once again, with NLP presuppositions, very often we need to look at the opposite of the presupposition to see what it really means. Most people go around the world with the concept that the meaning of their communication is what they meant by it, rather than what people understood by it. You know, classically people saying, I told them, I clearly told them, I don't know why they didn't understand. Well, the reason they didn't understand is the way that you said it didn't communicate. And what this presupposition does is it puts the responsibility back on us to make sure that our communications are as clear as they possibly can be. Now, of course, remember it's a presupposition. Some people go out of their way to misunderstand you deliberately or just choose not to listen to you. So it's an approximation to truth. But if you start from this place of starting to take full responsibility for making sure that message gets delivered thinking about how creative and flexible you can be to deliver this message in multiple ways so that people do get it, taking that on, then suddenly your ability to communicate becomes much better, much more effective. Because instead of saying, well, I said it, what is their problem? You come from the position of, okay, if they didn't quite get it, what do I need to do? How do I need to tailor this? Be flexible enough to get this message across. Because, because coming back to another presupposition, it's not about being right. I said how, how it should be and they didn't hear it. It's about communicating. How can we communicate? How can we get this message across? If we have a message that's important enough to share with somebody, then maybe take the time to make sure we get it across. So when we have a meeting with a member of staff and we want to try and say something and it's just not quite getting across, instead of thinking of them as difficult or resistant, think about, okay, what could I say? Possibly you could even ask them. And questions are very powerful here by saying, you know, what did you get by what I said? Just, just if you can just feed that back to me and then I can just see if we're on the same page here. So if they say back to you something very different from what you just communicated, you can go, oh, no, it's not really what I meant. This is, this is what I meant. Does that, does that make more sense? And when you're in that interesting feedback loop where you're saying something, you're checking they've got it. If they haven't got it, 
tailoring and fine-tuning your delivery until they've got it, then everybody leaves with the same understanding of what's supposed to be communicated. Because in business, so many of the problems occur as a result of people miscommunicating. People saying one thing and thinking it's been understood, not checking, and then the other person walking away with a completely different version of what it is that was communicated. So today, take on these two things. Notice any behaviours you have, or behaviours in your members of staff or people you come across. And instead of being judgmental about whether they're right or wrong, just ask, okay, was that useful in that context? Where else could it be useful? And what other behaviours would have been more useful in this context or environment or situation? And then, when you're communicating, spend a few moments checking, probably before you even communicate, that you're communicating in the most effective way, that you're in the right state. How many times have you said to yourself, I wish I hadn't had that discussion when I felt that way. It all came out wrong. Get yourself in the right state. Decide what you're going to communicate. Think about your audience. How are they going to receive it? What do they need? What makes it more interesting for them? I do a lot of public speaking, a lot of presenting. And the thing I always think about is, if I was in the audience, what would I want to hear? What would stop me from falling asleep and zoning out? So I make sure as much as I possibly can that my presentations are fun and engaging because I sat in too many presentations where that's just not the case and you see endless PowerPoints coming at you and you just want to run away. So constantly think about your audience. There's no point in communicating into a void. We want to be communicating to people, to move them, to inspire them, to to get the, the stuff that's in our head somehow through words and their ears into their head. We don't have a US port to just stick it in. Communication is our method of doing it. So really think about your communication and notice how powerfully you can change and shape how people listen to what you say by taking on these two very powerful, simple but important presuppositions. So until next time, have a great week. As you know, I'd love you to get hold of the next part of the Essential Skills of NLP podcast. So let me tell you what's in it. Well, first of all, we're going to look at how to stop craving chocolate and other foods and also how to stop hating your boss. So that might be something for a number of listeners to check out. We're going to look at maximizing your success to utilize the power of creative thinking, looking at submodalities, particularly the idea of sound submodalities, how our brain files things, how to change your mood, how to make everything easy, and, and an extended podcast which is of me training people in NLP. So I think you'll find there's pretty much something for everyone amongst those 10 next episodes. So check them out. If you'd like to get hold of the rest of the series, you can purchase them directly from the iTunes store. Just search for Phil Parker and Essential NLP. You might also like our newsletter, which you can sign up for at philparker.org. It will provide you with free bonus content on these subjects information about forthcoming seminars and all sorts of stuff that will support you in learning this. So that's philparker.org. Essential NLP. Practical skills for a great life.